That's right, y'all. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. Let's go. This podcast equips you with the real estate and wealth strategies you can use to develop and enhance your skills, experience, and profits in real estate while also being healthy on the inside and the outside. You ready? We are showcasing some of the world's greatest male and female real estate developers and entrepreneurs. Now it's time to develop. Here's your host, real estate developing queen, Deontay Chantel. Let's go. All right, so we'll get started. I'm Charles Noonan, and I wanted to talk to you guys about a strategy that I came up with. And this strategy, is, it's, it's not new, but it's fairly unique and it's unpopular. So you guys have may, may have heard quite a bit of strategies today, or you might have access to different real estate strategies, but just keep in mind, this strategy is my own. It's based on certain core principles and values that I have in real estate, and partly because I have two kids. They're not as energetic and motivated as I am. So when I thought about handing down a portfolio of real estate, what came to mind was, am I handing down something that they're willing to do the work that I put in? The answer was no, (laughs) right? No of my kids. One is back there. Uh, He's the one that would but I had to take into consideration the other one that would not do the work that was necessary to really push the portfolio forward, right? So my concept is really based around them and is focused on creating generational wealth, not debt. So I started in real estate, I'm gonna say 10 years ago, and it, it, when you get ideas about the success in real estate, right, and you hear all these success stories, it's fairly easy to jump into. Right. Because we we have tons of success stories. And nowadays we have people that look like us that do well. So it's fairly easy to jump in. However, we all know or you don't hear as much stories of people that are losing their shirts, people that are losing their properties in real estate, people that are drowning in mortgage debt and things like that. So the concept really just came from me creating generational wealth or being mindful of creating generational wealth, not debt. Those debt-free portfolios are so much easier to inherit versus portfolios that have a ton of debt associated with them, right? So um, you guys may have some experience with wholesaling. And as you know, wholesalers oftentimes will get properties from people when they pass away. And those are easy to sell because the family members, they don't want to have anything to do with it, especially if it's highly leveraged, and it's some risk associated with them taking over those properties. So what happens is they, we, I've found that they end up wholesaling those properties that their elder generations worked for and worked really hard to build, but they didn't want to take on the portfolio. So they ended up wholesaling them for pennies on the dollar of what they were actually worth. And, um, you know, that kind of touched me. So it, it motivated me to just be mindful of how we invest and creating generational wealth and making sure that we're not creating debt along with that. So I'm an investor, uh, a real estate investor. I live in a brownstone in downtown Brooklyn, but I have properties spread out throughout the United States, right? Currently today I own 35 doors and my last 10 years of experience, 10 years of real estate investing experience has been 
like a roller coaster ride. But the last three years in particular is where I really found um, a niche, I would say, in land bank properties, right? So seven years, roller coaster ride, built a portfolio, but still didn't sleep comfortable, comfortable at night, right? And it wasn't until I started to invest in land bank properties that I really started to get comfortable and feel strong and feel confident about the next generation already being taken care of and me preparing as a parent them for success to inherit, you know, wealth and become millionaires because they already have a, a multi-million dollar portfolio to inherit. So this remarkable journey, I've been able to help others such as aspiring real estate investors who don't have great credit, right? So we all hear about these stories of successful real estate investors. Then we try to go into it and then you find out what the qualifications are, right? You need experience to do a ton of things that people that banks are ready to fund, right? So you need experience to do new build. They ask you, you have to have two deals. You need experience for certain renovations, commercial. They ask you to have two deals. So I've been able to help individuals that don't necessarily qualify um, for traditional funding, right? They don't have good credit. They don't qualify. They don't have the necessary employment history, right? Employment, tenure on employment is starting to shift and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but from a, a bankable perspective, they want you to have a certain amount of time in your role to be, to be bankable, right, for them to fund your deal. So I've been able to help individuals who have poor credit. I've been able to help individuals who just aren't, whose deals aren't fundable because of their employment history. And then there's also a strategy, which we all hear today, creative funding. And that's for individuals that may have some of the other components, but don't have the money, right? That's another piece that you need. So when you hear these success stories, they don't tell you all the things that you need to become successful in real estate. They just say, oh, I have this multi-million dollar portfolio and real estate is great, right? And they talk about how much they love it. So this strategy is in place to help tons of people, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about who else I've been able to help. Entrepreneurs and professionals, right, who want to generate additional streams of passive income. Real estate can be a form of passive income, and it has been for a lot of individuals that invest. Uh, during the pandemic, right, and during the market fluctuation, I've been able to help real, experienced real estate brokers and agents when they struggle to find invent, inventory. And when they say, and you guys have all heard this, there aren't many deals out there, right? You guys have all heard there's a, a limited inventory. It's a lack of inventory, right? So land bank properties are a way where, and we'll talk a little bit more in the next slide, but it's a way where, A, we can close the wealth gap. Then we could also start to solve some of those problems that are inventory related because if we have the contacts in place, we can now start to create our own inventory, right? And again, most of all, I've been able to help individuals that want to leave a revenue-producing, debt-free portfolio behind for their kids so that they can continue on their, their legacy, right? So not sure if you guys heard of. I know Newark, and I don't know where you guys are from, but I know Newark just launched a land bank within the last year. But I'll just dig in and just let you guys know what a land bank actually is. Land banks are public entities that are solely focused on converting problem properties into productive use according to the local community goals. 
problem properties has been defined as vacant properties, abandoned properties, and oftentimes dilapidated buildings, right? So land banks will partner with city agencies and they, they create a contract to, as sort of like a win-win scenario where they're going to say, hey, we're going to bring these properties up to community standards and make them livable. What we'll get out of the deal is, what you guys will get out of the deal is obviously the income generated from the water bills, the tax bills, the electric bills, and things like that. And then on the other side, the land bank gets to sell these properties really low for one, two, three, maybe $5,000, pennies on a dollar in certain areas. But wherever it is, the deals that the land banks are able to offer are phenomenal and very easy to get into. Okay, so there are 250 land banks spread out throughout the, court, throughout the United States. And the land bank map where you can see, you can get a list of all the land banks, where you can get a list of all the land banks are the Center for Community Progress. So if you guys just took that note down, you'll be able to search the entire country and get information on every land bank they have. There's 250 of them. There, the lion's share of them are in the Midwest, such as Ohio and um, Michigan has quite a few. So I touched on this earlier, but uh, looking at this group, I just want to dig in a little bit more on why being debt-free is such a big deal to me, right? So we talk about generational wealth, and I think this generation in particular, this phrase is important because the information, and I was talking to somebody in the room earlier today, the information that's being shared today is very different from what it was yesterday, right? When people were creating wealth, we were finding that they were doing it in secret, they were doing it in small groups, they wasn't necessarily sharing. Today, I feel like, you know, there are more events like this than, that I've, than I've ever seen. There are more people just willing to share and spread the wealth and spread the word on how they're making money and how they're doing well. So um, the fastest way, obviously, to create generational wealth, I feel, is through real estate. I also feel like we can close the wealth gap if we start to own more properties. Land bank properties are very different from tax liens and tax deed properties because you actually own the property outright. Tax lien and tax deed properties, there's that fine, there's that gray area where the person who owned the property can all, always, not always, but there's a, a limit, I think it's one or two years, they can come back, pay, the, pay what's due, and they can recover their property. So there's a little difference there I want to explain to you guys, that they're not tax deed or tax lien properties, they're land bank properties, and once you purchase them, you actually own them outright. And then finally, how we can close the wealth gap with land bank properties is that we'll never lose these properties to foreclosure as long as we pay the taxes and insurance. Those key points that I just mentioned are ways that we can close the wealth gap and that we can create generational wealth because we're building portfolios that get passed down, that are debt-free, that are easy to inherit. And as long as you stress the importance to the next generation that we're not going to sell these properties, we're going to keep them and pass them on for generations and generations, our name and our legacy starts to build and we've now created generational wealth through real estate. All right. So... The Burr strategy, right? I am not against it. If you guys, and I want this to be interactive, could everybody raise their hand if they've heard of the Burr strategy? That's basically everybody in the room, right? So 
Oh, did I plug that out? Okay, good. So I talk about, I spoke about debt free and the importance of debt free. And it, it's almost in contrary to the Burr strategy, right? If you really think about it, and we have lenders in the room that want you to refinance your property and take the equity and do those things. But I just wanted you guys to, to know I'm not against it. And I think it's a great strategy for seasoned investors, right? So at the bottom here, it says 10 plus properties. This is just my opinion and, and how I structured my portfolio. I think the Burr strategy is great if you've already built a debt-free portfolio that you're looking to pass down to the next generation. I think the Burr strategy sucks if you're new to real estate investing and you are considering and being unselfish to the following generation and if you're considering generational wealth, right? Because when you pull, and just think about this for a second, when you guys buy and then you renovate, but when, which is all good, but when you refinance, Right. And you take that one hundred or two hundred thousand dollars out of that property. I want you to really just take a deep dive and think, who are you taking that money from? Right. In my opinion, you're taking that money from the next generation. Right. We are buying real estate now that we understand we have the most information that we've ever had about tips and tricks, best practices in real estate. If I took two hundred thousand dollars out of a property that I own, I would personally feel like I'm taking $200,000 away from my son because he's going to have to inherit that debt and he's going to have to pay it, pay it back. Right. So I'm not against the strategy, but as long as the future generation is taken care of with a debt free portfolio, I'm all for this birth strategy because it is a fast way to scale. It's a fast way to um, grow your portfolio through leveraging equity that you have in your property. Um, just a little bit about my portfolio that I have today. Uh, it's a portfolio that's combined of six one-family houses, three two-family homes, a bundle of seven one-family homes, which is what I'm most proud of because I turned a, a street in the Midwest that was like abandoned, deemed unsafe. And when I walked this property, I walked this block, there were elderly there, there were kids there, but they were really restricted from coming outside in their own community, and partly because they were afraid of pet, um, pets and, I'm sorry, not pets, animals, vagrants, and things like that that were in those vacant homes. So I, I decided that I'm going to purchase all the vacant homes on the block. I did it through the land bank because once you build a relationship with certain land banks, they will open their books and allow you to take certain properties that you want because they entrust that you're going to do the right thing by the community. So I purchased this block of properties. And the moment I got there, I, there was such a strong embrace from every individual on the street. They were so happy that someone was finally coming into the neighborhood and making an investment in their safety, the safety of their kids, the safety of their parents. And I, I've never been embraced in real estate like I have on this particular street. So they'll watch the property for me while I had my my uh, developers, my contractors doing work there. They would watch the property. We almost created an instant community of appreciation for what I was doing. So this particular bundle of properties served two purposes. One was profit in which we're all happy, right? So I bought a, a block of properties, debt-free, that I'm going to pass down to my kids. So I felt great about that. But what really touched me is the purpose, right? And us 
the neighborhood had people that looked like my grandmother, right? It had kids that looked like my kids. So it really touched me in a sense of having purpose and profit when I was able to renovate these properties and have them rented out. So it's built, it's now like, you know, a really good block. Every property on the block is actually occupied. And the school system, the school district actually decided it was such a safe environment that they put a bus stop on the beginning of the block and the end of the block. So kids in the community now look at this block as a block that they can go to safely, walk by themselves because there's no vacant properties and they can go to school safely. They can meet with their parents and parents can drop them off and pick them up on this particular street. So that is particularly important to me because once we make it to a certain level in real estate, which if you guys really focus and put your mind to it, I believe everybody can with the amount of information that's out there, you start to want to have purpose. Purpose is important for twofold, right? Obviously you wanna be able to give back, but it just, it just touches me in a certain way that I'll never forget about this investment that I made. Um, there's also a bundle of four two-family properties, and I was trying to recreate the same thing in another area, which is not too far away, so I just bought another bundle. And then I have a multi-unit uh, out in the Midwest, which is almost completed now. But um, that's my portfolios, 35 doors. They're all debt-free, and I'm super proud of it and the way I did it. Oh. Thank you. Appreciate it. So um, obviously I'm here to share, to give back, to give value. So I'll share with you on this screen, I put together just five steps that will walk you guys through. If anybody's interested, if it makes sense to anybody, this concept rings a bell and touches you guys in any way. I want to make it easy for you guys to do the same thing too, right? So I put together the five steps of purchasing a land bank property. So earlier I just gave you guys the website where you can get the national land bank map so we'll go through the steps and i'll share some of the best practices that are really simple and easy to do you can all do them from home that my students and mentees like to do so step one you're going to create an account with whatever land bank you find right so if you want to invest in newark or if you live anywhere else new york state has land banks as well there's albany the capital region has quite a few so you just go on to the website of your local land bank that you decide to invest in and you create your account. Um, I, I still invest today. This slide shows a property that I bought July 6, 2022, which was two weeks ago. And I won the property for $1,600. So you create, yeah, it's on the screen. You'll see more details, you'll see the details soon. So land bank properties are inexpensive and that's why I said they're, they're they're almost a hack for us to close the wealth gap, right? So I know we have a finite amount of time, but I'm going to move through these quickly, and I'll show you guys the steps on how to do it and how simple it is. So I win this property for $1,600, July 6, 7.55 in the morning. You create your account. There's typically an own it now or a buy now. Then some may have auction opportunities, and some properties you may have to apply through an application process. So these are the steps. They move fairly quickly, right? So you submit the bid, you win the bid, the land bank will review it, and the review process is fairly simple. They'll verify your identity, you send them a copy of your identification. They approve of the purchase, they'll send you a purchase agreement 
Then they countersign the purchase agreement, and now we're just waiting for a closing date to close on a property. So this is the address here, and at the bottom, you can see the timeline. So in less than two weeks, we've actually gone through almost the entire process of purchasing the property, right? And all this stuff is, you can see it right here on the screen. Step three, uh, I just wanted to give you guys some basic practical tips on researching the property and creating the value or finding the value in part of the process because land banks will give you a ton of properties and it's up to you to do your research and development on which property you should buy. You want to buy strategically. I teach my students to buy the ugliest block on, buy the ugliest house on the prettiest block, right? You guys have all heard that strategy. It's, it's fairly difficult when you don't think uh, from a land bank perspective, but when you think land bank houses, you can find ugly houses, vacant properties such as this on beautiful blocks. And I'll show you this example. This is a little bit of the research that I did before I actually went and walked the property, but I was able to make an informed, educated, experienced decision all from home before I actually left, right? So Trulia and Zillow are really good at running data, right? So you can see I bought the house for $1,600. It has an estimated value of $85,000, right? So I go to Trulia, I go to Zillow, I have access to MLS. So I'll look up comps just to verify the equity and the value of a property once I renovate it to make sure that it's already there. So I'll look at this property as saying, all right, I'm going to make this investment of $1,600, but it's going to add $85,000 today to my portfolio once it's renovated. And you can back that up by looking at looking up the numbers. Another good tool my students and mentors use to do research, and this is actually the block. There's probably two or three vacant homes, but if you look to the left or the right of the screen, you'll see beautiful homes just like this, small bungalow, well-manicured, and all the houses on the block are cared for. People care about those houses. They take good care of them. A lot of them in the Midwest are owned by elderly, but they care about the property. And it looks like if I made an investment in this property on this block, it would be appreciated similar to other investments that I've made in other areas. So you can use Google Maps and the street view the street view allows you now with technology, you can take a walk around the neighborhood, you can take a walk around the block, and you can get an idea of who else cares about the properties on the block. How many vacant homes do we have on this block? And you can make a decision all from home before you even invest to say this is a good buy or it's not a good buy. So that shares some of the education, some of the research that you guys can do before you actually make a purchase. And then, of course, you want to just if it's close to you, take a drive. If it's far out, you take a plane, take a trip on a plane and walk the property, walk the block, get a feel for the neighborhood. And there's, ton, there's a lot more research that you guys can do to make sure you're buying in an area that appreciates. But one of the things that I look at more importantly is the value of the property. And then I'll back into the data and look at, you know, is Google coming to that area? Is Amazon building um, new warehouses or new facilities in that area because, of course, it's going to create jobs which are going to create the need for more housing. Um, step five. All right, so I brought this. I put step five in here for individuals that may not be ready financially 
I want you to have an opportunity. I wanted to share this information with you so that you guys can have an opportunity to still invest, to still start to build your portfolios and start your investment career. So there's a company called Plastique. Plastique will allow you guys, allow investors to pay title companies with a credit card. So with Plastique, you can upload closing documents showing them, hey, I'm about to close on this property or I need funds for renovations or whatever it is. As long as you have an invoice, you can upload that invoice and Plastique will wire the funds to a title company so that you guys can close on your property. That's Plastique spelled P-L-A-S-T-I-Q. That's for individuals that are that just may not have the money or it has worked in scenarios where I have a mentee who just got a, a credit card from the LLC that had zero finance, zero percent financing for the first 18 months. So her strategy to start off was to buy a land bank property, renovate it and sell it. Right. Just to put some cash in her pocket. And then she was going to do the rest out of pocket to build her portfolio. So in this scenario, she was able to purchase the property. And this was January 21st. She was able to purchase the property all by using a credit card, do the renovations on a credit card, sell the property and pay it back. And she borrowed that money at zero percent because it was in the first 18 months of her credit card, zero interest rate. Um, I, so that's the end of the presentation. I took out time for Q&A. I don't know how much time we have. Um, Deontay, if there are questions and I can take more, let me know. If I could take a few now. Guys, just raise your hands. I'm happy to help. Let's start with you. Huh. Oh. Um, so when you go to a pre-sell or rebrand, are there AMI like, limitations? Like, you know, Absolutely not. So you, when you purchase the property, they, they give you a, a small requirement list of what you have to do to actually get the deed. Once you get the deed, once you complete those requirements and their renovation requirements, meaning cleaning up the property, cleaning up the yard and things like that. Once you do those, you actually get the deed and you can do whatever you want with the property. The second question was here. Right. Well, there's a number of ways to do that. Um, so where I live, I know contractors through my, you know, my experiences. Let me ask, is, are there any contractors in the room? How do people find you? Okay, so for me, what I do, I know people where I, where I decide to invest, right? I typically know someone that can refer a contractor to me. However, mentees that have bought properties in different parts of the country, one of them, I'm going to say Birmingham is really hot and picking up and the land bank is open to out-of-state investors. They found really good contractors through Facebook groups. So Facebook will have investment groups basically in every city that I've seen. So there are there's a Newark real estate investor Facebook group. There are tons of real estate investor Facebook groups and they're full of people that look like us that I feel if you really vet the referrals that they give and the individual that gives you the referrals, I think you can find good contractors based on their track record and your research and due diligence in hiring. But I um. So there's a ton of checks and balances that I do. 
with my investing, right? I set up cameras, they're wireless, Wi-Fi, 4G cameras at every property that are two-way where you can talk to the contractor without being there. You can see the work that they're doing. So for instance, if they're doing work in a bathroom, your camera can actually see the work that they're doing. You can question and have conversations. You know when they come in and out of your property. You can set up, I think, up to 40 on your phone and you can view your entire, whatever work that you have being done, you can, that's one of the first things I do is set up the camera system. But you can view everything that's being done through there. So that kind of, it's either going to sometimes scare a contractor away that's not looking to do good business, or it's going to hold them accountable. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. I have no problem. I'll set the camera up for you. So that, that's a whole nother presentation, right? And that's another... Um, vetting process that's another class so we have the last question here and i will say we are going to have a panel about construction and about two panels down awesome. okay so the last question is with erica right Hi, um, I just wanted to ask a question about, in Newark, they have the Invest uh, Newark Land Bank. They require that you live there in the property and not use it for investment. Is there a way that you know how to uh, subgate that or go around that so you can um, actually invest in property and not actually live in the property? That's how the requirements are here. That's a great question. And every class I get a a mentee that says the same thing, right? The land bank where they live has processes in place where they want to give their properties to individuals that are going to occupy the property. Reason being, they know that if you guys live in the property, you're going to, you have the tendency to care for the property better than if I did and it was just one of my doors and I'm a management company or I'm a developer. They feel like individuals that live in the community will care for the property. They'll fix the roofs faster. They'll keep the lawn cared for and things like that. So my recommendation is to just invest in a city that is developer friendly or investor friendly. And they're all over the place, right? We're thinking generational wealth. It doesn't have to be your home city or your local city. Just do the research, find a property. Real estate can be passive and investor friendly to where you're not taking on an additional job. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, Happy. Hopefully you learned something. Thank you for listening to the Journey to Developer podcast with Deontay Chantel and her special guest. Listen, we want you to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform and give us a five star review. That would be incredible. And we also have a visual experience over on YouTube. Just YouTube Journey to Develop Her podcast. To follow Deontay on Instagram, just hit up Deontay Chantel. That's D-I-O-N-T-E-C-H-A-N-T-E. And also on IG at Journey to Develop Her. That's Journey to Develop Her. You can hit all the links in her bio with that. Stay locked in, keep developing, and we'll see you here next time.